One of the central concepts involved in any pooled investment product is the idea of net asset value and net asset value per share. We talked about this at some length last week, but let's think about it. When a group of investors throw their money into a common investment pool, how do portfolio managers and the investors themselves keep track of the value of each investor's portion of the overall pool? Since investors are buying shares in the fund, it's very important to be able to understand and track the value of each share of the fund that an investor owns. With mutual funds, we tend to take for granted this process for valuing shares. Every afternoon, just like clockwork, after the market closes and without much fuss, we have a new net asset value per share. And hopefully for investors, the trend over time is that it's up. But here's a cautionary note to think about. What happens if you make an investment and then you don't know, or even worse, can't find out how much your units are worth? Well, there's a real life example of this very problem raging right now. There's a Toronto-based company called Bridging Finance. It's an alternative investment firm in the business of loaning money to small and medium-sized businesses, or did up until last year. It's in the business of private debt. So it's an alternative to more conventional public lending sources like banks and trust companies and that sort of thing. But really, Bridging Finance is a fund management company. It helped investors pool their money to create a fund for these business loans. The money came in from investors the executive team of the company then managed this money by searching for suitable businesses for these loans. So rather than investing the money in stocks, they invested the money in businesses. That's the only difference. The higher in interest rates that it can charge its clients then provides an attractive rate of return that can flow back out to investors in, in theory. In the case of bridging finance, it has all come crashing down. The company is in receivership and investors are facing huge losses. Although nothing yet has been proven, the telltale signs of a disaster are everywhere. The first problem was, was how the company was run. The allegations, nothing's proven yet, the allegations include owner mismanagement, using fund assets for personal gain, misleading Ontario Securities Commission enforcement staff, failing to disclose material conflicts of interest, the owners were a husband and wife, by the way, and failing to act in owner's best interest, among a slew of other things. The second problem, however, concerns portfolio management. That's where my interest is. There appear to have been significant deficiencies or errors related to risk management failures, problematic transaction structures, and potentially inflated net asset values to maximize management and incentive fees. All this now makes calculating an accurate current net asset value per share highly problematic, to say the least, if not next to impossible. Right now, apparently, no one knows what an accurate net asset value for the fund is or a net asset value per share for the investors. So what does this mean for investors? 
well, it's obviously not good news. Usually in a situation like this, there are a couple options, either a bankruptcy scenario or an attempt to sell the business to anyone who's interested in trying to rescue it. But for existing shareholders, neither one of these two scenarios is attractive. In a bankruptcy, the, the recoverable value of assets is minimal. And in the, uh, the sale option, the price that a new owner is likely to offer to buy such a business is not much better. But in this case, because the bridging finance company was an investment fund, what the investors will get depends on the net asset value per share of their units. The issue is that after more than a year of investigation, even the forensic accountants at PricewaterhouseCoopers, who are acting as the receiver in this mess, don't yet know what a current net asset value per share would be. So what's the likely result? Well, the last time that Bridging Finance actually provided a net asset value for their fund was back on March 31st, 2021, almost a year ago. And they said then it was roughly $2.1 billion, if you believe their numbers. But now, the PricewaterhouseCoopers accountants estimate that total investors' losses will be somewhere between $1.2 and $1.3 billion, roughly 34 to 42% of the fund's net value. But this will not be realized or finalized, according to PricewaterhouseCoopers, until all the assets within the company's funds are actually able to be realized. They can be calculated or repaid or, or somehow converted to cash, if it's possible. So what does an investor do in the meantime, while this receivership winds through its process? I guess some people may say, well, it's just a matter of time until a realistic valuation is determined. And that's true. But in the meantime, this would involve PricewaterhouseCoopers continuing to manage the fund's loan portfolios and gradually converting assets to cash and returning the assets of whatever's left to the investors as they can be recovered. So it takes time. This is what they call a continued realization plan to determine a realistic net asset value per share. What are the what's the value of the fund in realistic terms? It all sounds reasonable in the circumstances, I guess. But get a load of this. PricewaterhouseCoopers now estimates that this process, this continued realization plan, may take five years to complete. It's also based on a target of somewhere between roughly $700 to $880 million in ultimately realizable, recoverable assets. But the history of similar kinds of receiverships shows that with each passing week, the value of recoverable assets continues to shrink. On top of it, all this, as we've learned in our course, we must always think about the fees involved. And to add insult to injury, here the investors are also hate, uh, facing huge fees. In addition to the lost time to sort out the complications, PricewaterhouseCoopers estimates that fees for the five years that's going to take to finalize something are going to be somewhere between 27 and $36 million. 
That includes legal and fund management costs. And then another $6.5 million roughly in ongoing operating costs for, the, for managing the funds. And this estimate does not include any of the lawyer's fees or cost of potential litigation to recover assets for investors. So here's the lesson. The case of bridging finance illustrates the importance of net asset value per share and how it is calculated. This is especially difficult if a fund is managing illiquid or impaired assets, as is the case here. How can anyone, even a forensic accountant, determine what a net asset value per share realistically is if they can't determine what the basic assets the funds hold are what they're worth? And therefore, without an accurate net asset value per share, you have no idea what your investment in the fund is worth as an investor. There's only one thing for sure. Once somebody does figure out what an accurate net asset value per share is, the trend is certainly going to be going down and not up. <laughs>